The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. I don't even know what to do with myself because of what's about to happen. And it was a total surprise in first service, but now this one, it's a little bit of a setup, so I feel nervous. I don't know. Nothing? Okay. Hey, we're in a series called What's Your Deal? And uh, Ryan, I don't know what your deal is, but uh, we're going to keep going here. Um, Hey, real quick, I do want to say that tomorrow there is a hearing um, at Snohomish County about the property, and uh, I've talked a bit about it, that we've got some property that's been for sale, we've been in a contract with a developer, and um, kind of at the last minute we had an appeal from uh, the Tulalip tribes, and so we have a hearing tomorrow uh, about whether we continue forward or, or kind of how that goes. So just encourage you to pray, and we're just really praying for God to take care of the details of how it needs to go. We know he's bigger than, than anything else, and so even as lawyers have gone back and forth and we have this hearing, um, just encourage you to pray. It's actually at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, and um, we would appreciate that. Uh, honestly, for us, we really just want to move beyond having you know a lot of you know, 57 acres up north and figure out how to expand you know what we need to do here. So, um, would you pray for that? Cool, yeah. good. Um, and I'd love to pray right now. So, Lord, thank you for your work. That again, we talk all the time, especially like from this stage, even in worship about how big you are and how awesome you are. And so we just bring this hearing tomorrow before you. Our prayer is just for your hand, for your work, for your favor, and that, God, you would have your way. Lord, again, we trust you. We, we appreciate, God, that you are, even as we sang, who you say you are. So we put our lives, put the church in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, like I said, we're in a series called What's Your Deal? Today is part one, and um, we're going to be in Colossians. So the, uh, the, the whole series, What's Your Deal, is on the book of Colossians. And um, so you can go ahead and turn there if you're looking for it. It's kind of towards the back of your Bible. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of months ago how... Um, there, there's certain things that we sort of believe or that sound good that we tend to kind of ascribe to that aren't necessarily true. And one of those was in our, in our series at the movies, we had a poster on the wall from the movie, The Sandlot, and it said, um, you know, follow your heart, kid. It'll never lead you astray. And Happy birthday, Nick Bomgar. We're so glad it's your birthday. Somewhere about three or four months ago, I spoke on that, you know, when it's your birthday, people need to celebrate you. And I realized when I was saying it, it means that something has to change this year because I typically just try to mow over my birthday, like hide it because I don't. And so now this year, I'm like, now I got to actually celebrate. And then I, I literally, after I said that, looked at the calendar and realized my birthday's on a Sunday. So um, yeah, thanks for that, everybody. Lots of love to you. I am 23. So 
Um, I don't know why that's so funny, but if I said 33, would it be as funny? <laughs> okay, it's not 53, all right? At least it's so. 43 years old today, which I think is officially mid-40s. Like, it's no longer like, oh, you're in your 40s. It's like, no, you're, you're in the middle of your 40s. So anyway, midlife crisis coming, probably get myself a Corvette, a motorcycle, I don't know, something else. But anyway, but uh, okay, back to our series, all right? We good? Back to our series. Um, the series is What's Your Deal? And there are certain things I was talking about that, that quote, follow your heart, kid, it will never lead you astray. And it sounds so good. And in the movie, they make it all sentimental and this guy, you know, having a dream about this, but it's not true. If you look at what the Bible has to say about the condition of the human heart and what sin has done and how deceptive our hearts can be, you follow your heart and it can lead you all kinds of wrong places. Amen. And so that's one example. Another thing, like people, and I, I'm going to pick a little bit on social media and, and something that kind of goes around in different forms at different times, but it goes like this. If you're not ashamed of Jesus, forward this picture to 10 of your closest friends if you care about them. If you do, you'll be blessed by God. That's not true. Honestly, like we, we feel all guilted into it or whatever we feel, but that's not true. I love this one. Somebody had mentioned that if, if you know, having a child takes nine months for that baby to be born, it takes 18 months for twins to be born. So if you didn't know that, that's not true. So um, another one, and I love this one. Me and my friend are having an argument. She says it rains in Australia, but it can't, can it? Because obviously the rain falls to the top of the world, and at the bottom of the world, it wouldn't fall into the world, it would fall into space. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyways, like, okay, I don't even know where to go with that one. But there's all kinds of things that you kind of like logically, I guess there's maybe, maybe some kind of logic to that, like if that's, you know, the globe or whatever. But um, we've all, and I really believe this, we've all experienced being duped by something that's not true. Some of you actually thought the lyric was, hold me closer, Tony Danza, and it's not, okay? It's Tiny Dancer, and I don't even know if I want a Tiny Dancer to hold me close, but that's fine, all right? On a more serious note, um, I think the danger is that it can happen in our faith. We talk about faith in Christ and, and what Jesus has done, but, but sometimes we, we are duped by something that seems good or feels kind of right, but isn't necessarily true. Um, we invite Christ to forgive us, and, and we thank you, Lord, for all that fresh start. That's great. That's huge. But then we, we kind of go on with our faith, and we do something wrong, and then we live in shame until there's sort of a waiting period, until oh, it's been a little while, now I can feel better. That's not the right way to go about what, what we live in. We live in, in the grace of God, which is an amazing thing, not as an excuse to do wrong, but as a reason to not hold our heads in shame for a certain period of time until we've, quote, unquote, earned that we should feel better. That's not true. That's not good. That's not right. We hear that we're not bound by the Old Testament law, and there are people that would say it means that I have the freedom to do whatever I want to do. I have the freedom to behave however I want to behave because I'm not bound by all of those regulations, and that's not true. And on and on and on, we become duped in ways that we don't even realize, and that's why in the, in the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae that we call in the Bible Colossians, Paul is dealing with what's happened in the church. Systems of belief have infiltrated what the church believes and all of a sudden you have Jesus and. 
you, you have, you know, follow Jesus and he paid the price and you should still do this, this, and this, and this. You know, there, there's Jesus and he paid the price, but he's not God. He's, you know, lower or whatever. This is where, and I want to be clear here, we're going to get into a little deeper maybe than we typically do, into some of the theology that you and I really need to be aware of. It's why I remind us regularly, and I'll never stop doing it, that you need to be Bible readers. You need, I really believe one of the healthiest patterns that you can get into is for you to read the Bible every year. Read through the whole thing, and we put out a plan, and you can find it in the lobby. There's a copy of it you can grab today and start today, or you can go on you know, Bible app. We have it on grove.church. You can find the reading plan because the truth is as much as I want to make sure that I'm teaching what is sound, it's not just up to me to teach what is sound. It's up to you to hear what I'm saying and go home and look at the Bible and go, did he get it right? Is that true? And you may not like to hear that because it puts the onus on you, but it is on you. Cults come from places where somebody on a stage or has some level of influence says something that isn't true and everybody just drinks it because it sounds really good. There are all kinds of religions in our world that have a, have a, a Jesus character in them. And I don't know if you know this, but there are major world religions that say Jesus was a great prophet, but that's it. That, that, that Jesus, yeah, he's the savior. Other groups say Jesus is a savior. Jesus is the son of God, but Jesus isn't God. And that's not true. Individuals that came along, like, like uh, you know, uh, Joseph Smith back in the 1820s, who decided he had some revelation and was shown golden tablets, and he was the only one with these special glasses to interpret what was on them. And he wrote this whole thing that we now call the Book of Mormon, where Jesus, his second coming was not to rapture the church like the Bible teaches, but in fact, he came to North America and spent all kinds of time with people along the eastern seaboard in cities that never existed. And people drink it and go, great, Joseph Smith said it, I believe it. And there's all kinds of examples in our world where heresy trickles in to our faith and we begin to believe things that aren't true. And we're called to be careful what we believe. And so Paul writes this letter to the church because he cares deeply about what they believe. The letter opens, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, chosen by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. And you read those, those, those words, and if you've read the book before, many times before, you hear that opening. And Paul oftentimes opens a letter with similar wording and stuff. But, but going back, here's a little Bible lesson. And again, I encourage you to take notes. In fact, there's a sheet in the seat in front of you that you can grab and take notes on. It's meant for life groups, and you can, but anybody can take those and take notes on them. But Paul wrote letters to, to all kinds of churches. And maybe you didn't know that. Paul wrote 13 what we would call books in the Bible. He wrote all the way from Romans to Philemon in the New Testament. Every one of those books all in a row, Paul wrote. He didn't write them as books. He wrote them as letters. Some of them were to churches. 
and, or, or groups of churches, and some of them were to individuals. They're called epistles, pastoral epistles. And, and, and so Paul wrote to, um, to you know, the, the church at Colossae from prison. He wrote Philippians from prison. He wrote Ephesians from prison. He wrote Philemon from prison. You have Paul writing these letters because he cares deeply about what the church believes, about what the church is doing, and in particular, Colossians to deal with the issue of heresy. Now, what's unique about Paul's writing to the church at Colossae is that he had never actually been to that church. What happened was in the book of Acts in the Bible, okay, in the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are gospels. They're about the life of Jesus and what he did and the cross and his death and resurrection, all that stuff. And then you have the book of Acts. It's the establishing of the first century church. Okay, way back when. And, and in the book of Acts, you have moments where Paul is traveling to different areas and he visits different cities like Ephesus, okay, regions like Galatia. And then he goes back afterwards and he writes letters to these areas. So when you read the book of Acts and you hear certain cities, you might notice that some of the books of the Bible are named after those cities. Just trying to give you a picture into how the whole kind of thing comes together. But Colossae, he had never been to. Theologians believe that in Acts chapter 19, when Paul was in Ephesus, that a guy named Epaphras was there, heard the message of Christ, and then went back to his hometown, Colossae, and shared the gospel and actually on his own established a church there. And so Paul and him strike up a friendship. At one point, Epaphras is kind of with Paul and travels with Paul, but Colossae was established not by Paul, but by the influence Paul had in somebody else's life who planted a church in Colossae. What I love, I'm going, this is kind of a picture of where we're at here. We're Grove, we got Marysville, that's awesome. But we went out and said, hey, let's launch out over here and we have Grove Snohomish. It's kind of like that. Hey, Andrew gets to go over there and he's got a team and they're doing great things. And I got to go last week and it was fun. But it's kind of that type of deal. Here's Epaphras and he planted the church. In chapter one, verse seven, it says this. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved coworker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. And then he's mentioned in the closing comments of Colossians, which is four chapters that we have there. It says, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. And then if, if you ever, um, for, and here's a great spot, if you, uh, BibleGateway.com, if you're looking for a place to search Bible stuff, BibleGateway.com is an easy one, it's a great one. But if you go to BibleGateway.com and you type in Epaphras and hit return, he comes up in another book. He ends up in Philemon and you're like, well, what's the connection to Philemon and, and Epaphras and Colossians? And here's what it is. The church in Colossae met at Philemon's place. And, and because Epaphras was from there, he had that connection. So you find in Philemon chapter one, and there's only one chapter. So in verse 23 of Philemon, it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So again, Epaphras comes up. And I, why am I spending a bunch of time on that? Mo mostly because I just love the picture of Paul had never been there, but he cared so much that he wanted to write a letter to this church to deal with heresy. It was written right around AD 60. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. And as I said in the introduction, 
Um, it was written because Epaphras had reported to Paul that false teachers came in and were distorting the person of Christ and what the work of the cross was all about. Paul spends from the middle of chapter 1 all the way through chapter 3 dealing with false teaching. And again, I encourage you to take notes. And if you're taking notes, we got pens there. We got that paper there. Here's just a little picture of what he's dealing with. One of the things he deals with, the heresy was spirit is good and matter is evil. And in chapter one, he deals with that. And his rebuttal is God created heaven and earth for his glory. Okay, another one, we must follow ceremonies and rituals and restrictions in order to be saved or perfected, more like Christ. And Paul says, no, you don't. Those were only shadows, but they ended when Christ came. He is all we need to be saved. Okay, another one, and if you're taking notes, write this word down, asceticism. It's on the screen in a second here, and and you'll see it. The word asceticism is this idea of strict self-denial to, co- to accomplish a certain spiritual enlightenment. And, and there was a group of people that believed that we must deny the body and live in strict asceticism in order to get kind of where we need to get spiritually and prove ourselves so that God would somehow bless us spiritually. And Paul says asceticism is no help in conquering evil thoughts Instead, it leads to pride. Have you ever met somebody that you hear about their spiritual disciplines, you hear about what they're doing, and you're not just inspired to do that, but you feel a little condemned? Like you feel like I'm not as good as you because you do all this stuff and I don't do all this stuff. And that's where this asceticism was leaking in, causing people to feel the need to perform so that they could be blessed by God. And Paul says, absolutely not in chapter 2. He brings up angels must be worshipped and, and says, no, 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 no. Christ is the only one worthy of worship. The next one, Christ could not have been both human and divine. And again, Paul says, absolutely not. Christ is God in the flesh. He's the eternal one, the head of the body, first in everything supreme. And I love how bold and clear Paul is. And next week, we're going to talk about this in chapter 1 from verse 15 on, how he's clear about who Jesus is. This world talks about, you know, Jesus was a good teacher, but was he really this or that? You know, um, it's going to be a great conversation. But, but again, another problem, okay? Another word you might want to write down, Gnosticism. And some of you guys have heard of this, and it's, it's spelled up on the screen here in a second. But um, this idea that we must obtain secret knowledge, the word gnosis, Gnosticism comes from the word gnosis. It's a Greek word for special knowledge. People that thought you have to have special knowledge in order to reach a certain place in perfection or to be saved, and it wasn't available to anyone. And Paul is dealing with this because there are certain people that felt they were on a higher spiritual plane than all these other people. And it was this Gnosticism idea that they were being duped by that, oh, they're special and everyone else is just out of the game. They don't get to play the way these guys have it. Paul says, absolutely not. That's not true. And for you and I, going back to the work of Jesus on the cross, when in in the scriptures, in the gospels, it talks about when the veil in the temple was torn at the moment Jesus died, that was significant because it meant that no longer was the holy of holies in the temple meant for just, you know, the the high priest or the, the great high priest one time a year, but everybody had access to their heavenly father in the same way. You don't have to go through a priest anymore. And that was a huge deal. And again, they were moving away 
from that truth by believing certain people had the revelation. Certain people were on a higher spiritual plane. Another one, we must adhere to certain traditions or philosophies. And and just this whole picture of going back to, we should remember what Christ had to say about that he fulfilled the law. We're no longer bound to those things. And so, again, Paul deals with that. Here's another one. If you're taking notes, write down syncretism. It's up on the screen, but syncretism. Combining aspects of several religions. One of the great dangers I really believe in the church of Christ, probably worldwide, but especially in the West, is this idea that we have Jesus, but then we bring in other ideas from other religions and somehow that's okay. And you and I are called and challenged, as I already said, to be discerning about what can infiltrate the church, what can infiltrate our belief systems. There are are spiritual books out there, aside from the Bible, listen to me, that if you read them, a lot of what they have to say, you'd go, don't we believe that? And I would say, yeah, a lot of what's written in them, we believe, but you know what? There are segments, sections of these books that we absolutely do not believe. And they take Jesus out of who he really is and what the scriptures teach us. And so you, you are called to learn how to discern truth. And I hope in some ways that you feel the weight of what I'm saying today. Because it is up to each of us to walk through, God, how do I live in your truth? And inviting, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit to guide us in all truth. Syncretism, chapter 2, verse 10. You have everything you need when you have Christ. And again, we're going to talk about that coming up. And then finally, and I'll, I'll move on here, but another heresy. There's nothing wrong with immorality. That was the heresy. And Paul spends a big chunk of chapter three dealing with this whole idea. Yes, we're free in Christ, but it doesn't mean we're free to do whatever we want to do because we believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus and I can do whatever I want to do. And by the way, that's a pretty famous thing that a lot of people, even in church world, would sort of say, well, I'm not bound to the law. I'm not bound to do all these things. I'm free in Jesus. And Paul, not just in Colossians, In in a lot of the letters he wrote, but he says, you're not free to do whatever you want to do. You're free to learn to serve Jesus. You might want to know this, but it's why as a church, we talk about that you and I, if if you're a, a Christian in here, we don't use the phrase, I'm a Christian. We say it this way, we're followers of Christ. And you go, well, that's nuance. What's the big difference? What's the big deal? On one hand, maybe it's not a big deal, but there is a whole world of people that would say, I'm a Christian. And you're like, really? Because I see kind of all this stuff going on and that doesn't, doesn't gel with what I see in, in Christ. And it's not that we're not hypocrites or, or we don't you know, sometimes walk and being dumb or doing dumb things, but what we say is as followers of Christ, yes, we absolutely follow Jesus to the cross where he paid the price for your sin and my sin, where he dealt with the issue of your rebellion and my rebellion through what he did on the cross, dying, being buried, rising from the dead, defeating death. But it doesn't stop there. We're followers of Christ, meaning, yes, we enjoy what he's done for our salvation, but it also means we follow what he has to say about how you and I are called to live our lives every day. It's why on a baptism Sunday, we oftentimes will say, hey, you've committed your life to Jesus? I sure have. You want to follow him each day that you live? Yeah, I do. Because it's not just about making a one-time commitment to faith in Christ. It's about realizing we're called to walk with him every day. Not because we earn our salvation, but because we believe the best way to live is the example of Jesus on this earth. 
So we're followers of Christ. And so Paul's rebuttal in chapter three is get rid of sin and evil because you've been chosen by God to live a new life, a different life, a life representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to walk through the book of Colossians the next bunch of weeks, and, and I'm excited about it. But, but my hope is that as we wrap our minds around God's design for us as individuals and for us as the church, which is not a building or, or even necessarily a belief system, but the body of Christ is people, you and I, that we understand God's design for our lives, how to live connected with one another within the body of Christ. And so next week, we're going to talk about the supremacy of Jesus. And how he's on par on the plane of, of God himself, that Jesus is God, who paid the price for you and I. And, and, and there's a little bit of like kind of mind warp, like how do we wrap our heads around it? But, but we do, we talk about, and you, it's not in the Bible, but we use the phrase or the, or the idea of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see that as an example in the Bible. The idea that, that God is, is three persons and yet one, and we go, that's ah, a little hard, but we're not polytheistic. We don't believe there's multiple gods. We believe there's one God. And he came to earth to pay the price for our sin, the supremacy of Christ. After that, we're going to talk about our freedom in Christ and what it really means and how, what we're called to do to walk that out. And in the week after, we're going to talk about the directive on how to live well before God, how to honor God and enjoy that connection that we have with him, that, that sin begins to pale in comparison to the joy of following Christ. And then finally, as we wrap it up, how our faith is, is called and meant to influence others, to see who Jesus is, to realize the gospel in our lives. This simple question comes up when I think about what I'm saying today, because I know it's just an introduction. What could change if we looked into Colossians? And I, again, I really believe that, that what you believe affects how you behave. And if there's anything in your life that you're being duped, and I, that's maybe a harsh way to put it, but you're believing something that isn't quite true, even as followers of Christ, we have that, that tendency sometimes to latch onto something that isn't actually true. What could change? If, if bad beliefs were dispelled, if you learned how to live in the grace of God, if we understood who we are in Christ and what he's done for us and who God is, I really believe it transforms your ability and my ability to live purposefully every single day. The joy of God's freedom in our lives, which helps others see and want what we have. Only by being connected to Christ through faith can anyone have eternal life, and only through a continuing connection with him can we have the power for living for Christ and within the family of Christ. So here, here's my ask today. ASK. <laughs> Would you take it upon yourselves when we're in this series? Aside from maybe if you're doing the reading plan, keep doing that. And if you're not doing the reading plan, start it. There's copies in the lobby. Grab it, pick it up today, start it. But would you consider while we're in this series for the next five weeks, three times a week reading through the book of Colossians? It's four chapters. It literally would take some of you guys 10, 15 minutes. If you're kind of trying to digest it a little more, it might take you 20, 30 minutes at a time. But would you commit over the next five weeks to three times a week, just reading through this letter that Paul wrote to the church? And, and I happen to believe, as we're reminded from the writer of Hebrews, 
that the word of God is living and active. Chapter four, verse 12 in Hebrews says the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of joints and marrow, soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. I believe that if you'd commit to going, you know what, three times a week, I'm going to block out a 30-minute little window. I'm going to read. I'm going to think through it. Maybe you got a study Bible with comments or whatever you have. That's great. But I'm going to read through, and I really do believe that the Holy Spirit is going to whisper things to you about maybe different things that need to be dispelled in your own life. So would you consider doing that? Just starting today going, you know what? Three times this week, I'm going to read four chapters in Colossians. That's all it is. Four chapters. Making that commitment. And of course, as as Aaron last week did a great job talking about it, but that whole idea of, of in our life groups over this next five weeks, we're going to be discussing Colossians. And if you're in a group, it's why that sheet's in the, uh, the seat in front of you. You could take notes on it because you can head to your group this week sometime and you can hear some things I wrote down, hear some things I was wondering about, or let's talk about this. Um, but that's for everybody. You could take notes on that sheet there. Also, if you're not connected to a group, I want to create that tension in you again today. Think about getting connected in a life group. They start literally, some of them are starting tonight, but they start this week. And it's a great time to take a step and go, man, I want to I continue on this journey of, of growing deeper in my faith. Three times a week for the next five weeks, read through the book of Colossians. Take some time to allow the Holy Spirit to work transformation in you, dispelling maybe some things that you've bought into that I think God would want to clear up. Father, today, God, my prayer for all of us, Lord, I just always believe that this Bible, God, what you've given us, Lord, and all these letters and Paul and his care for the church, that Lord, he's constantly writing to encourage, he's writing to build up, he's writing to challenge people in faith, he's writing to dispel all kinds of things. And in Colossians, that's the main theme. Who is Jesus? Why does that matter so much? And yet in the world we live in, 2,000 years later, after this book, came, this letter came about, that we can read it and realize there are all kinds of groups out there all over the world that would say, yeah, Jesus was a good teacher, but I don't believe he was a savior. Yeah, I believe Jesus is, is right up there with God, but I don't believe he's God. Yeah, I believe he was a prophet, but I don't believe he died on the cross for me. There's all kinds of people all over our world that have all kinds of things to say about who Jesus is. And Paul was so concerned and so careful 2,000 years ago. But I also believe that, that God, through your wisdom, you knew that today we would need a book like this. We would need a letter as a reminder in our own lives. And man, we can fall prey to all kinds of stuff. But Lord, I pray that your spirit, your wisdom, your work would prevail over those things that need to be dispelled in our lives. Thank you for your work as we take on this book. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.